Welcome back to another episode of Excuse My Grandma. It's Kim and my co-host. Grandma Gail. Today, we are joined by Alan Patrickoff and Lily Patrickoff. Alan Patrickoff is one of the pioneers of the venture capital and private equity industries, an early investor in companies. I think you've probably heard of these, Apple, Venmo, AOL, The Real Real. Uh, he's also an author of his memoir, No Red Lights, Reflections on Life. There it is. 50 Years in Venture Capital and Never Driving Alone. And we're joined by his granddaughter, who happens to be my best friend, who I've known since we were 14. We went to high school together, Lily Patrickoff, who has made her own career in the world of New York politics. Thank you both for joining us. Good. Thanks for promoting the book. <laughs> of course. I'm excited to get into it. I hope we like it. Well, buy it on Amazon or wherever. So we start by asking all of our guests their age, relationship status. I'm 26. I live in New York City in Tribeca. I am uh, 88 uh, and uh, uh, a widower. Uh, my wife passed away uh, two years ago, actually, actually next next week. Uh, and uh, uh, I am whatever you want to describe a widower. All right. You're out there and you can drive. So that makes you very desirable. <laughs> uh, Mr. Patrickov, you're a cool grandpa. Like you ran the marathon at 88, went to Burning Man. We've gone out together, all of us, to Stephen's Talk House uh, out in the Hamptons. And Lily never bats an eye. She's always like, my grandpa's coming. And she's so excited to all be together, which is so nice. What's more important is I can cut the line at the Stephen Talk House. <laughs> that was uh, in the book. <laughs> and just to, just to complete your picture, I uh, was in Zihuatanejo, Mexico, over the holiday, and I went paragliding. So, oh, uh, no way. We're, we're sitting here scared to go out in the ocean because the men of war were out. I mean, what, what's our story? This is not We good. have no excuse. We don't have any excuse. How do you think, like, your varied interests and kind of being adventurous and doing those kind of things have connected you more with your grandparents, uh, grandchildren? Well, I think that uh, I am, since I am such an active person and so actively involved in so many different areas, uh, I, I guess they find I'm relevant. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I still can keep up with them uh, and probably keep ahead of them walking or <laughs> Uh, not so much running these days. And uh, I'm involved in politics. I'm involved in entertainment. I'm involved in art, theater. Uh, so, you know, as long as you're an active participant, which I am and intend to be until I uh, uh, pass away at 114, which is my objective, as I say in the book, uh, I uh, intend to keep actively involved in uh, whatever's happening. Yeah. Grandma, you say that all the time. Well, I, I have a similar feeling. I mean, firstly, we started this podcast during COVID, the two of us, and it, it changed my life. I had a different type of life. All of a sudden, I became a, a personality, an influencer, whatever you want to call it. And they recognize me in every airport. Um, but it changed. It made me young. And I can understand what Alan is saying. I think the more you're involved with whatever activity it is, your mind is constantly expanding. And I think Lily, would attest to the fact that her grandfather can probably speak on every topic with her and with the family. And it must make an interesting family dynamic over a weekend when you're out in the Hamptons. Yeah, what is dinner in the Patrickoff yeah, household? You know, I want to hear if you, if you have any conversation over politics or if it's just all family conversation. Lily and her sister and I have uh, triple dated on one or two occasions. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I'm not doing that with you. Kim. Well, we've done double D. Oh, well. We oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Lily, what do you think? Uh, I think, I mean, we talk about everything. Family dinners definitely um, can get a little bit intense and chaotic, but we all enjoy that. Sometimes at breakfast, he kind of sits and reads the newspaper and just chimes in now and then, I think. And when he does, we all listen. Mm -hmm. Um but I think the fact that we all like to be around the table together and like to be in the same place says a lot. Like our whole, my whole life, um, being around what used to be my grandma and grandpa. Now we're with my grandpa's where our family would gather. And I think it's such an, like, it just, I hope that I have the same thing when I'm 88, that my family loves to come with me and be with wow. me and spend time with me. 
Yeah, it's a talent that uh, Alan has done. He's created a family unit that all like to be together. I find that probably is one of your great contributions. <laughs> Let, let's go to career a little yeah, bit because okay. we want to start with that. Um, Alan, when did you first know that you wanted to go into finance as a career? You know, I don't think I set out uh, to go specifically into any particular career, just like Lily didn't set out to go into politics. Uh, I, you know, as a Greek and Latin uh, classic scholar, I thought she'd do something different. I had no idea she'd end up with, in the political world and, and maybe she's not going to end up there, but certainly at this stage. But I, uh, uh, my father was a stockbroker, so that probably had some influence. Uh, I always, you know, growing up, followed the stock market uh, and it, you know, being in New York, from New York, uh, it just seemed like a, a logical place to go. When I started my career, there weren't, I went to Ohio State, there weren't a lot of headhunters in Ohio State uh, for anybody. I mean, I did actually consider an, or had an offer from Caterpillar Tractor, which would have put me into, I think, uh, Moline, Illinois, which if you can imagine me in Moline, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, or the National Bank of Detroit, uh, uh, that those were the places who recruited. And I just came back to the city and uh, uh, just started pounding the pavement to get a job. And Wall Street was a great place. You, you could walk from one end of Wall Street to the other and uh, find a hundreds of firms and uh, that's exactly what I did and uh, and got a job right and Mr. Patrickov in the book you kind of talk about the importance of keeping relationships uh, I kind of want to hear from you and from Lily about why that's essential regardless of the field that you're in I, I think you bring up a very important point I believe very strongly that life is cumulative mm -hmm. uh, and I think starting when you're very young, even uh, uh, even in high school, the friendships you develop, just as you and Lily are demonstrating, they stay with you. You each develop careers, uh, go in different paths, and they add to the uh, breadth of your of your life. And uh, I have very strong feelings about it from people who work for me. And I, you know, there's a great tendency when everybody goes to an event who works in the same firm to huddle together with the same people that they work with every day. And I have been uh, really tough on that when I see that happening and I break up the groups and say, you know, this is a chance to meet other people. If you're at a conference, sit with someone you don't know. If you're at a, at a dinner party, find out about the person next to you or person across the, the, the table from you and develop relationships. Because as I say in the book, and I believe very strongly, these relations are, are cumulative, as are your life experiences, and uh, uh, they uh, grow uh, with you, and that's what makes you who you are. I mean, I, without naming names or places, I, I, uh, the people I met early in my career are today now the presidents, and many of them presidents and chairmen of many major firms on Wall Street and beyond that, but we all you know, got to know each other when we were just forming our careers. And uh, 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 it's why I also say, you know, from the very early stages, which is again in my book, is get involved with art, get involved with theater, get involved with uh, whatever it is that interests you. Uh, Lily had an interest in poetry. I, I uh, made her a member of the uh, Poet Society 10 years ago. I'm not sure she's followed it up. Uh, uh, as actively she did that. But I think, you know, developing these uh, affiliated, associated activities really makes you the person you are. And at age 88, I have a pretty broad contact list of friends and acquaintances and relationships that make me who I am today. Right. Lily, two questions. One, have you gone and used your poetry society <laughs> thing once? Um, and then second, I, as we were talking, I was kind of thinking of when you and I have gone out before, even socially, and we definitely tend to be like with some of our friends, just all stand together. But I feel like you and I both kind of make the effort of let's do a lap. Let's see who we can talk to. Let's try to meet new people. Um, so how do you think you kind of like live that even not only in business, but also like with friends and in social situations? 
Well, so in terms of the Poetry Society, I think I, you probably got that from me when I was maybe 11. And I definitely <laughs> went with you at least once, but it probably has expired by now. But that was, I think, a great example of you showing and telling me and trying to convey to me that belief of yours at an early age, um, that it was important and worthwhile to pursue things outside of academics and just pure social life. Um, and Kim, I think like you're so right. We do, we do like, you know, we love to be together, but I think you and I are people who love to try new things and do activities and meet new people. And uh, well, something I've thought about a lot, and we've talked about a lot in recent years, once you're out of school and it's not just you know school and going out, you want to have a life that's enriched by um, lots of other things. And you figure out what those things are that bring you joy or or that interest you. And I think we've always, Kim and I made it a, a, a a goal the year after the summer after our senior year of high school to see as many Broadway shows together as possible and like that's something we still love to do together we've joined things we've tried new things and I think like we've made friends that way some of my best friends I've met through work like we've met great new friends through putting ourselves out there and and um it's it's such a great thing I think especially when you're in your 20s and you don't have just class with people you have to make an effort to meet new people and and finding common interests and things like that can um like uh, just expand your world a lot. Mm -hmm. Let me let me throw something in here. I I, I feel very very strongly uh, about the. Uh, I'm very sad about the fact that uh, today people are working on Zoom, working remotely, and uh, maybe spending no days or one day or a few days in the office. I feel, believe very strongly that that uh, camaraderie, that interaction from being in an office every day and being uh, exposed to potential mentors on a, on a personal interaction basis uh, cannot be replaced. And I am very disappointed that both Lily and her sister are not uh, right at the moment able to experience that uh, as much as I would love to, to see that happening. Because I think that's how you learn from people who've been through it before on a, on a very close interaction basis. Well, I, I was just going to say that I think like as someone who's now been able to work both remotely and in an office, I think it's definitely true. It's hard because there are, are so many benefits that are hard to take away from people once they've had with, from working remotely. Um, but I was so fortunate to meet people who were decided who I would have become mentors of me from working in person, people who became friends, as I said, but also even working remotely, like it depends on the type of work, but it's not as easy. But if you make an effort, you can develop relationships. But I I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think um, it's, it, it's something that our society was still adapting to and figuring out how to move forward, and what the workforce is going to look like. I was going to say that, you know, one of the reasons that Kim and I do this podcast is Kim was a producer, as Lily knows, uh, for a, a, a TV program, uh, what we, a streaming service, network. a news network. And when the office closed during COVID, she was working at home and she found it very un, un, miserable well, after a while. I actually was, kind of disagree. I think that when I was in the office, we were, it was so intense all the time. Yeah. You felt like you had to keep your head down and I wasn't socializing as much. Whereas kind of now, if I, I have enough time to think about the connections that I do want to go after or ones that I do want to facilitate, obviously you have to kind of meet them on your own schedule and outside of an office. But I feel like I kind of make more of an effort now, but I think it depends no, on your but field. I think you need the mentoring of an older person in an office to really start a career. It's very difficult uh, to start. I agree. A grandma, grandma and I agree. <laughs> the problem is you don't know what you're missing. That's, right. that's the problem. Right. You, you won't, you'll never, you won't know it because you're not experiencing it. So right, but we let's, let's leave it there. No, I, I agree with you though. I miss, I, I prefer a, the opportunity to, I mean, like, there's a reason that you, that Kim, you stay in Palm Beach besides loving being there and being with your grandma. Like you, when you guys record the podcast together, I'm sure that you get much more out of each other and you are able to interact and bounce ideas off each other than being remote. So that's in a small scale, but, but it's basically nice. being with her is my office. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like yeah. when I'm alone, like I'm my remote is when I'm in New York City and she's here, and I get less work done than when we're in person together. So well, I guess comes me. So twenty four seven. I I don't know where the camera's going or what she's going to say, <laughs> but that that that's a particular yeah. kind of work, and I think it's changing back. Don't you think, Alan, that it's going back that people are demanding people to come back to the office? Well, I, I just saw this, this 
Disney announced, I yeah. think, Monday this week that they're going to require four days a week. I just had this conversation right. with Graycroft, the firm that I'm chairman emeritus of, just yesterday in saying that you've got to bite the bullet uh, and, and uh, you can't have... Uh, I, I was in the Graycroft office yesterday and uh, yesterday was an unusual day. There were probably six people there, uh, whereas a year ago, two years ago, there would have been 15 or 20. And that interaction, that uh, ability to go to lunch with the with the, the guy next door, to learn from the senior person in the firm, uh, uh, you you say you worked at Cheddar, I'm not sure there, the ability for you to work next door to John Steinberg and find out, you know, how he got where he was and, and uh, give you some tips. Mm-hmm. It, just not going to have that opportunity. Invaluable. So let's yep. let's leave yeah. it alone. But that's my personal belief. And but the the thing that's unfortunate, Kim, is that where we've moved so far. And you said it, and Lily said it. You're in a way gotten spoiled that your love, your leisure time, your ability to you know go out and do yoga for an hour during the day, the ability to go uh, play pickleball, the ability to to do a, constructive things. Uh, uh, has just changed the the uh, momentum and, and interactions. And, uh, you know, let's just leave it there. Yeah, I'm not sure for the better, but okay. Um, no. Lily, what traits do you think that you've inherited from your grandpa? And then what do you think you disagree on the most? We disagree um, all the time. So <laughs> start there. We do disagree, but um, usually in a constructive way, I'd say, I think I am very stubborn maybe or or tenacious maybe is the right word and I think that that is something that he is as well um I am very intellectually curious which is absolutely true of him and is not necessarily I think that's a trait that's not just inherited but learned so I'm lucky to have been exposed to that but from him and my the rest of my family um I think I'm passionate and I care about things going on and that's another thing that I believe I developed but also probably had um what had was um, inclined to be in the first place um we are both i mean i also walk very fast i talk very fast which is one of the sources of um our disagreements most frequently he thinks i talk too quickly um but kim can understand me i think yeah well it's a lily has a specific language when i introduce her to new people (laughs) they look at me sometimes and they're like what and i'm like no 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 no. like i'm on level five of this course so i'm good but you have to Thank you, Kim. It's a that is the constant friction that Lily's bringing it up. I don't stop trying to slow her down, uh, and if she whatever she wants to share with you, I've gone to great extremes to do this. He offered me a car when I was in middle school to go to a speech therapist. I did go to the speech therapist. Never. Where's the car? Yeah, that's the yeah. Where question. she went to the speech therapist once. <laughs> <laughs> the speech therapist understood her, so there was no need to go back. Right. You do the same thing to me, Grandma. I feel like sometimes you're like, slow down when I'm in the middle of talking. And I don't even think that I talk that fast. So maybe grandparents are definitely like very aware of they, they want their grandkids yeah. to be perfect sometimes. Well, we, we're trying. We're trying to make you better than we are. I guess so. Uh, Mr. Patrickoff, do you have specific, we kind of touched on this, but specific activities that even you can give advice to other grandparents listening of uh, things that they can kind of do with their grandkids, or maybe it's watching a lot of the same shows or something like that? No, I just think keeping yourself relevant is really the answer. If you want to play in the same game as you and Lily, you've got to be, you know, uh, I, I took, uh, Lily and I've taken others in the family to a place called Marie's Crisis down in New York, where mm-hmm. which is uh, she's probably taking you there, Kim. Yeah, she uh, has. It's our favorite place to go. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, and I, you know, uh, if I'm reading a book, if I'm watching a show, we just had a big debate. Uh, I hated Glass Onion, hated hated it with a, with extreme passion. Why? Uh, oh, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I didn't like, debate it, by the way. I haven't seen uh, it. Enough. I don't want to. Understand. I saw it. Knives Out, the first first one I loved, but the, this was just crazy. The knives Out. Uh, the knives yeah, out was which crazy. was amazing. Reading the paper, knowing what's happening, being up to date in politics, being, uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I went to an art uh, uh, gallery yesterday, uh, you know, and I will be 
quick to, to say to Lily. In fact, she and I had a, she, I'll tell the story, Lily, but you, or you can. I uh, had lunch with Lily about a month or two ago, a month ago, and I said, I want you to, we were in 59th Street, I said, I want you to go over to see the LVMH right. uh, uh trunk show and she said i'll do it i'll do it i i said now do it now while i was thinking about it don't tell me you're going to do it later she said i'm i promise you i'm going to do it and i asked her a week later had she done it no and two weeks later she now tells me she's done it i still don't she went it. with me so i, I can attest oh, oh yes. okay but I but did. i be, i believe very very strongly in do it now i i hate mm-hmm. people who say i'll get to it tomorrow or i'm glad you told me you know, I've been trying to get back to an office at that time, though. So, so, yeah. and I, and I, exactly. Kim can is the way we did it together. So I ended up doing. We had a really fun afternoon. Yeah. Anyhow, I. I months, though, I have the, to say. I, I think staying relevant, being part of of life, is uh, critical. Whether it's you know, running or, or, you know, surfing or whatever, whatever else it may be, or or, or intellectual pursuits. Uh, uh, you know, I think that the only way you're going to, you know, I, my parents, my grandparents, my parents, I, my grandparents are, were in another century. At the only point there was, I had no relationship with them other than to, you know, visit them for a Jewish holiday uh, experience to really, but even my parents, I did very little with, uh, uh, they just weren't, you know, active participants. I uh, have been active with my children and my grandchildren and, I don't, I hope, but I don't, I think they're very happy to have me go to anything with them and do anything with them because. Yeah, I think that's generational because I feel the same way. I mean, my, you know, I think our parents and our grandparents were much more standoffish. And from our, from our perspective, and I'm in the same uh, generation as Alan is, uh, we wanted families to stay together and understand and be together. And it was looking forward to spending more than just holidays together. We really like to spend every vacations and uh, weekends together as family units. Yeah, and you had to do that by being relevant. That's what he's saying. You had to see see what was going on with your generation, see what problems are really individual of today, which there are loads of problems. I think the dating today is certainly a different uh, type of conversation than we would have had in the 50s and 60s and even the early 70s. So we have to understand, and which is my issue with, with Kim, where your perspective is on dating, on relationships, on friendships. And you can't, you, I know you're desperate to get into this dating. I want to follow up on what you said though about um, being relevant. I think in, as someone who on the receiving end of the building of a grandparent, grandchild relationship, what I would say was the most important thing always is making yourself available. So whatever your restrictions are, some people don't live in the same state or countries or grandkids. Some people might not have the same physical capabilities. I think offering to spend time with your grandkids, calling them, texting them. My whole life, my grandpa and grandma wanted to have me come and sleep over, wanted to do things with me. And for us, I was going to the ballet, going to shows, going to art galleries, but also going on trips together. But even now, if we're in the Hamptons and on the weekend, my grandpa will say, "I will you come on a bike ride with me? Will you go on a hike with me? Do you want to go to the beach this afternoon? And I, even when you're younger, maybe some grandkids won't always appreciate that. But I think knowing that your grandparent wants to spend time with you in whatever way that looks like like you can find interest in common and things to do and and just having that just trying to spend time and putting yourself out there to be with your grandkid I think makes you um some that they that they are become close to 100 percent. it's such a two-way street so I totally agree with and that. everybody always asks the same question how did you get, get such a close relationship it's not easy we put you really work at it I mean you might oh, yeah. enjoy you know uh, you have to work at it a hundred percent if you I've worked from day one with my children and my grandchildren. And I would say I have a, I couldn't have a much better relationship than with my, my grandchildren than I have today. I mean, they are very comfortable in calling or doing things or going places with me. It's a, a word, which I never would have had with my grandparents. Right. Never. Exactly. So I mean, you talk about dating. Yeah. Let's what? talk a little bit about dating. Um, I know the two of you are close and that you've had those discussions kind of before. Mr. Patrickoff, have you set Lily up on a date before? I think at least once, right? At least once. Uh, uh, but, you know, like all younger people, they don't trust their... Uh, <laughs> I went out with him. 
Please. Yes. You have I'm, a second I'm, chance. You know, you know. I don't want to shame anyone physically, but the second guy you tried to set me up with was around twice my age. Oh. Less hair than anyone who <laughs> that I've ever seen. And I don't understand your thinking there. Um, but the first guy you set me up with, I got at least what he was going for. Um, and I went out with him. It wasn't, I mean, I don't know exactly that what you saw that would make us a match, but I appreciate he was like a young man with an interesting job and background who you thought you like his family and uh, um I went out with him so I did trust you on that and then I trusted myself when I did not like him and didn't go on a second date see but this is our conversation you got to give somebody more than one well you also think that looks don't matter at all I don't I don't and I I don't know how you feel about this Alan but like I certainly want to be attracted to the person oh I I absolutely I, I agree with you I, I'm sorry. I think you want to physically be attracted and and intellectually attractive and well, that's and uh, and and you know someone who's compatible with your interests. Mm -hmm. But uh, I but let me let me make one thing very clear. Uh, notwithstanding what Lily just said, uh, uh, as a widower, there are many people who have called me up to meet somebody, and I always say to them the same thing: Did you? Do you, do, you, do you know, do you remember my wife? I had an extraordinarily, extraordinarily attractive, uh, nice wife. Uh, I think Lily will tell you. Not the average. She was extraordinary. I mean, she. many people would tell you she was one of the most attractive people in New York and the nicest. Uh, and I would say that. And uh, uh, most people who try to fix you up, fix you up with someone who's their best friend or someone they heard just got divorced or became a widow, and they don't really think, does this really make sense? Is this really right for this person? And I could tell stories that, you know, uh, once I, you know, took the benefit of someone who pressed me, and it was it was ridiculous. I mean, it made no sense whatsoever, because they just didn't understand me and what my personality and who I am and who I had been married to for 50 years. Uh, so uh, when Lily makes her comments, I would never fix Lily up with someone that I didn't apply those same standards. And the fact that she made these comments she just made, I assure you, I did not pick a guy that was twice her age and bald. I was guaranteed. You have a higher standard for attractiveness for women than for men. I think if you know a man, and maybe not, I'm not saying that's necessarily like a standard thing, but I think if you know a guy and you know that he is nice you met him that too you see that as being a worthwhile person but for as someone when you're looking at someone and making a judgment for yourself the standards might be a little bit different he was bald and he was like <laughs> all right Lily, let's, he might be listening we're gonna to the have podcast, that debate so let's, off, not, off, let's not go off, further off camera, into this. we're gonna have that debate but i would i will again say it, i would not suggest anyone to any of my grandchildren that i didn't think was interesting attractive and relevant to Lily or who, whichever of my grandchildren that I fit male, male, male related since I have six granddaughters and only one grandson. I, I want to make were, a point of mentioning though, we don't know whoever they end up dating. I think that's remember some of them are like 12. So who knows? Who <laughs> All right. They I'll give time. up. But my point is I do not, I do not, people should not do it indiscriminately just to help their best friend or someone they met or just, they really should think, more about is this makes sense mm -hmm. that's the point i make pretty much every episode that Graham miguel never gets which is i don't like setups for that reason because it's always oh i know someone who's single you're single go out it's never tailored to you so i always think i can pick a better partner for myself than somebody else unless it's my best friend who knows me well and actually thinks that this is like going to be a good person for me well you that's know what? true i'm going to interject you're, you're... something here i really it's different for alan and different for lily and you we're coming from a from a from a marriage that was good and we have certain ideas in our mind what a perfect person should be on a date you guys are starting out just your lives and you have to give people a chance and looks are one part of it but i hope the two of you girls who are very smart and very attractive don't just look at looks because looks fade and hair grows away and people get heavy but you have to like the person the person has to have uh be a good soul and a yeah, good well, we person. know that i think no but yeah. i think sometimes you guys look at too much superficial 
And I don't go along with that. I think that's that's my big problem. Especially with dating apps. I think that's like kind of the forced format. You're judging based off a very superficial Mm -hmm. first look. But I know that people I've liked in the past, I know the same for Kim. It's more dependent on personality, um, intellectual, like, like curiosity. I need to have a I feel like when you end up being attracted to someone for a long term, it's like oh, good looks are very, very nice. But if someone were amazing, like objectively handsome and not intelligent or not kind, I don't would not find them attractive or if someone weren't like a perfect 10. And- Lily, Lily, I want to make something clear to you and to Kim. If I were to suggest someone to you or to Kim, I would not do it indiscriminately. I would think this, this makes sense for this particular person. No, I'm just saying to you. I mean, I'm having, I, it would not just be because I met somebody and I I want to introduce to my granddaughter. I, I don't need to waste your time or their time. And I think that that applies whether it's uh, uh, Kim's grandmother or it's me. Uh, it should be the same kind of thought process. All right. That's, that's I'm wondering point. if either of you think anything is not okay to talk about on a date. Like, I know you're both deeply involved in politics. Would you ever discuss it on a first or second date? Uh, well, I think it's, I, I've have had this discussion, uh, with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fair to say that I would not be very comfortable dealing with someone who was an avid Trump supporter. I have to be honest, it would just not work. And I have that struggle today with friends, friends, mm-hmm. widow, widow friends who, uh, husbands uh, as couples, we were very, very friendly. But now that the husband is not there and I'm dealing with uh, a woman, not dealing with her. I mean, this is not a personal oh, relationship, friends. but friends, friends. Right. Uh, it makes it, it, it's very, very hard because, you know, if you visit with them, you're you're sitting in front of the Fox screen all the whole time uh, and uh, uh, countering arguments all the time. Uh, so I, I think that, that would an avid Trump supporter would be very difficult for me to uh, to, to spend any time with. Really, uh, it's a it's a tough thing, particularly when you have a friendship right. that, that transcends. Yeah, I'm going to say this because I've been in a situation where I don't, and I am from an opposite point of view. I think as friends, we have to be able to talk about the different political things. Forget Trump, forget Biden, forget all that. We have to have a meeting of the minds. We can't break up a country into such polarization as we have now, unfortunately. I didn't, you know, I remember things like this happening when I was young and uh, they were, you know, it was anti-Nixon, it was anti-Kennedy, it was anti, but never the hatred and the vitriolic speech that we have today, which I don't think is good. See, I think I, it's bad. You're, you're. I think I happen to agree. I think you're right. I, I will uh, say that you're, you're offering a more balanced viewpoint. Right, that's uh, what I would hope. Uh, I, and I, and I, uh, I, I try. Okay. But we have you, to all try. But, but no, but I think we do need more harmony. And yeah. I, I will say to you, which I'm sure you will confirm, when I was dating, politics was you never even would no. dream of talking about no. politics. Uh, it's become I'm so much a about, part of our uh, lives. Well, it's even yeah. on the dating profiles. It says your see, affiliation. I, that see, I think that's sad because you never, you never get to. Then you'll only stay with one type of person. Uh, and just what you were saying before, you want to have a varied amount of opinions and conversations and respect them. I mean, I can respect Alan's point of view, and he has to come and respect my point of view, and then you do whatever you want. And yeah. uh, that's where I'm hoping we go. Uh, I don't yeah. like what's happening really now. I, I have don't lots think it's of healthy. Repu- I have but lots I, of Republican friends. I mean, that's I not say, yeah, exactly. Like, to your credit, like, I, I, there are, you aren't, you do spend, I think that is what's something you try to do. I think you're like, in terms of dating, it would be right. hard for you, but you do have yeah. friends and people you care about. That's and they've come here. We had, so, I had a political event at the house this summer. And I invited a friend of his who I knew to be a Republican, even though it was about a Democratic candidate and Democratic issues. And one of it actually led to an interesting question and an interesting discussion about exactly what we're saying here. The polarity is very difficult to deal with, but and everyone, I think no one wants that. But politics and morality have become so deeply intertwined in a way that I don't think they always were. And 
so part of the like national conversation. Like we shouldn't, you know, 20 years ago, it shouldn't have been like on the nightly news what the president was doing or like, like it, you know, it would just be like he was governing unless it was like a big world event. And now it's it's just um so much for ugly. for me as well. I have gone on dates with people with different political views. I, I have friends with different political views, but to have like a partner who had views that were incompatible to mine and in terms of things that connect to morals and rights and things that are just to me like like everyone can have deal breakers and they can be silly or serious Mm -hmm. and I think for me it would just be hard to see like building a life or or being able to deal with talk through issues when I know I think I think what Lily's saying I mean if I if I were dating someone who was uh uh, against abortion rights Mm -hmm. who was a a pro gun uh who carried a gun uh, you can. I mean, those kind of issues. Uh, there would no be no point. The right. rest of it would just. I mean, there were no no place to go. Yeah, right. I agree. I wanted to talk a little bit also about physical health because you mentioned earlier the living to 114 goal. I'm rooting for him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we all want to do it too. I know for everyone, for all four of us. Um, when how does physical health? play in like do you have a fitness routine that you do every day I know oh I also wanted to ask about your running and running the marathon because I want to know how the I am 88 shirt came to be so that's a very good story actually uh but uh my routine is one thing I I walk every place I walked I live on 76th street I walk where I am now on 55th street I my second office is 40th street so I We'll walk mm-hmm. down there later, then I'll walk back. Mm-hmm. Anytime I have any opportunity, a doctor's meeting or anything, I rather than taking a cab, I'll walk. Uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, in preparation for doing this marathon, I did do training for six or seven months or more out in the park every morning at six o'clock in the morning with a trainer. Uh, I've had a, phys- a, a, a actual uh uh, exercise trainer for the last the same person for 25 years yeah, you write about uh, him in the book which was yeah, which was yeah. very wonderful he, he's uh came to my house for for since the answer hold the book up <laughs> i wanted to hold the book up for people <laughs> to see it's a very pretty cover uh, i yeah. like it a lot. Uh, and uh, uh but the story of the of the marathon is actually a funny story uh my son from california jamie who's 47 uh came to uh, uh east uh he's a producer in hollywood but he came to give me moral support and also you know not safety but just you know mm-hmm. 26 miles is a long way to go mm-hmm. he just wanted to uh, go do it with me uh even though he had not really done any training and uh, i offered by the way but there were no no big spots left uh, when you do it you do it in corrals there were 50,000 people there in corrals at 10,000 each. And when you start, uh, I was in one of the corrals and the runners, you know, zoom off. And there are 20 to 30 or 40 people who were doing what I was doing, which is I didn't run the marathon. I walked and jogged it, mostly right. walking. walking. <laughs> it's like a 19-minute mile, so very brisk walking. Uh, well, no, I was at a 17-20 mile until I had my problem. I was, I should have done it in a 17, 20 mile. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I had the problem at the 20th mile. But uh, as we're wa- walking fast, uh, there was a woman alongside us who was also walking, jogging. And she had written across her chest her name in big letters. And as we were going down 4th Avenue in Brooklyn after we crossed the bridge, everybody was cheering for this person, let's say her name was Carol. Go, Carol. Go, Carol. You can do it. Great. And they were really literally cheering. And I turned to my son and we're as we're going, and I said, Jamie, what's wrong with us? Whether we chicken soup, <laughs> nobody, nobody is saying one single enthusiastic comment. And my last name was on my shirt. And uh, <clears throat> I said, sidle over to her as we're walking. And you know, and by the way, she was walking like she was 100 years old. She was right. totally bent over, shuffling along. So he, he goes over as we're moving forward. 
and then comes back to me and says, she's 62. I said, 62? And they're cheering for her? Yeah. And no one is cheering for me. Well, she has a lot of relatives. <laughs> I said, no, no. This, you know, she looked she like looked she was older than she was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of, she looked a lot older than I did. <laughs> so I said, let's call uh, Christina, who was my one of my daughter-in-law's sisters who was going to meet us at mile five and tell her to bring a Sharpie yeah. to the to the race. So she came at mile five with this Sharpie and I stopped and I wrote across my chest, which you can see in any pictures, mm -hmm. right. I am 88. And after that, they were cheering. Carol or whatever her name was, which I do know, <laughs> no one even, they didn't even mention her and we had, cheers like you can't imagine mm -hmm. from that point on for the fifth mile to the 26th in darkness uh everybody cheered us on and the newspapers covered yeah. it and well i uh, heard it on I, squawk box everybody congratulated you the next day i was watching early in the morning and they were all talking about it so for sure you made us all proud i'm very proud of having written that across because if i hadn't written it i think we would have been <laughs> oblivion yeah. Lily, what was that like going and seeing everyone cheering? I mean, it was amazing. I walked with my dad up to meet um, my grandpa and my uncle right after. So he had a problem with, I think, his hamstringers calf based on an injury a while back and had to sit for a bit. So we walked up to meet him at like 125th Street. And I was so proud. I mean, people were still it, it was like it was not it was getting dark, but he was he, you know, had a physical injury, but decided that he wanted to keep doing it. And we were all a little bit nervous because we had said, if you're doing this, you have to put your health first. And you knew that it's not like we had to tell you that, like, if you were feeling bad, you were going to stop, but you were absolutely sticking with it. It was, we ran up and then walked with them for a while. And I, you were already on mile 21. I, we had just walked a bit to get to you. And I, and the amount that we walked, I was exhausted just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> Oh, and what a long day that is too. It's just incredible. And, and seeing people at the finish line, just um, going crazy. And there's like the announcement. I mean, the New York marathon is like, fantastic. And he did not stop. He was smiling and talking and like going at it. You are, you weren't, you weren't like Kate, uh, uh, Carol, even at, even at, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, until we were done and then we got out, out the big like leg massagers and Chinese right. food and things like that but I was extremely proud and and impressed because I think that is such an accomplishment and achievement no matter what age you are so mm -hmm. I think that it was just amazing Bad I was the old Bad. I was the old I was the oldest finisher this year really yeah oh all right amazing. that's Amazing. Yeah. Um, so at this stage in their life, in your 80s, a lot of people are retired. I have a feeling you're not retiring. Um, never, he's never retiring. Your I most recent. Started, I started my third business yeah. two years ago. So it's, a, it's too early to retire. I just started a new new firm. Exactly. I wanted to ask about primetime partners. Um, I didn't know that aging is like a trillion dollar oh. sector. Um, what type of companies are you like looking into for this new venture? Yeah, well, uh, I got into this because I met a, I knew a woman. We both served on the board of a company called Thrive Global, which is Ariana Huffington's company. So we got to know each other. And actually through one of my other sons, uh, uh, my, uh, one of Lily's uncles, who one day said to me, you know, Abby Levy, whose name is, who he had gone to business school with, is also interested in the same area of the aging society and the, and the dynamic growth aspects, but she's about to do something. And all you're doing is talking about it. And he put together a breakfast and about two or three weeks later, we uh, uh, decided to start a firm together, primetime partners, which I happy I gave the name to, cause I think it's a perfect name because we're in our prime time. And, uh, uh, it's focused on investing in anything that deals with the, we did say over 60, I'd say today, probably the postmenopausal generation over 50, 50, uh, whether it's products, services, mm -hmm. caregiving, uh, uh, support, preventing loneliness, uh, recreation, anything that will serve older people, which is the fastest growing part of society in 
And by 2030, there'll be more people over 60 than there will be under 18. Wow. And yet everybody is focused for investing yeah. in the millennials in uh, bike delivery companies and dog walking companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we're, we try and we have succeeded to a great deal becoming thought leaders, and whether it's at conferences or on television. We get a lot of media exposure to talk about this part of the society that needs more attention mm -hmm. and uh for, for investment and commercial reasons, as well as, uh, as uh, uh, you know, uh, social impact. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally agree. I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do here as well <laughs> on a really, really <laughs> lower well, scale. scale. Um, but yeah, to, to, to give light to a lot of the things that your experience is yeah. and what you're going through and kind of connect bridging the generation gap a little bit. So I want to end the episode with a game that we play with all of our guests. It's called Grandma Gail's Old Fashioned Dating Quiz. And then you'll both give your answers and we'll deem whether you're more of a traditional dater or more of a modern dater. I reserve the right to say no comment. Exactly. No, good. Good. You. But he, he, his number one piece of advice for me constantly, which is why I do worry about your, is always make sure you say thank you after a date. I always say thank you. I will always say thank you. You don't know. That's not, that's not exactly what I said. No, no. I, I, I tell you what I've learned. No, what I've said, I've learned. I am giving a tip. Uh, yeah. What I have learned from dating in the last, and I actually, to be very honest, I started dating before my wife passed away because she really couldn't speak because of Alzheimer's for the last two or three years that she was alive, although I was very, very, very actively involved and committed and, and constant companion. But I did uh, start somewhat of a social life early. So I've been kind of dating, you'd say, for maybe four years. So I, I do have enough experience. But what I have learned above anything else is almost every single woman I have gone out with, unless I guess... I guess it's every single one. So I haven't had too many, too many uh, uh, failures. I always text either before, after, after the evening is over that evening mm -hmm. or by eight o'clock the next morning, mm -hmm. I get a text. Uh, uh, I have not initiated the text. Well, you always get, get it. Well, okay. It. No, no, no. That's different though. And I, and I, and I have come to recognize that is, uh, uh, it's it's it, it's an, it's certainly it's encouraging to say from someone saying I had a great time or looking forward to the next time or uh, thanks for a great evening or dinner was terrific or right. something that uh, feel good. in a that way is, is so interesting because it's suggestive about saying call me again <laughs> right exactly so it doesn't say call me again it doesn't say call me again right. <laughs> Yeah, but it leaves you on a good note. But that yeah. actually is the exact opposite exactly. that I have experienced as a 26 year old dating. I always feel like I'm not going to text thank you or anything. I said thank you in person. And then the guy texts me if they want to see me again. Right. So I've never I've never texted one single person. Wow. And and, I'm, and I'll tell you something else. My, I have a very, very good friend who's married, uh, but We've been friends since he was single. And I was married, and he—he's ridiculous. He said, "I follow the six-hour texting rule." I said, "What is that?" He said, "I don't respond to a text for at least six hours." I said, "That's the most <laughs> unnatural, unnatural behavior." You, you, you respond if you're in the mood to respond. That right. this he should married be married and single again. What? <laughs> he married and then he became single again when you knew him because I think something ha must happen where if you've been married since before technology then you right. get technology and you're sing and you're single you almost have to go to the beginning of dating evolution like with us when we were in high school where you're kind of playing games like that like not texting for six hours to us now it's like <laughs> silly uh, but by the way, I should also add, uh, under no, no circumstances, absolutely zero, do I ever use email for that, or or does anyone email me on that? Email is not for that kind of those kind of comments. <laughs> no, but it's good advice because Lily, we know that like we would never, we wouldn't even have someone's email, so it wouldn't be. But but a lot of people maybe when like they're dating in their older age or whatever it is, like they only they, have their email. Yeah, they, they wouldn't think like think about, about it. So it's actually good advice. All right. Okay. Your, I'm going to do the thing, gonna, have other things to do today. Quick round of our game. <laughs> Would you rather receive a call or a text message from someone you're dating? If it's just to say hi. How, how many dates? Um, First or second date. 
personally, probably a text because the call would make me nervous. Like, oh, is there something serious they're calling about? But if then I pick up and it's a call and they're just saying hi, it's it's okay. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to give you a more uh, uh, inclusive answer. When I was growing up and when your grandmother was growing up, it was 100% phone. There exactly. Wasn't, there was no, no text. Yeah, but, but it would have been very unusual to call up someone and say, I had a great time uh, or thank you for something. A male or female, it just didn't happen. Not, uh, not in the same conversation of like right after dates anymore. Just like if you have gone on a few dates with someone and they're calling or texting you to say hi. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so I'm saying that would not. There was, you would only have called to say if you want to have a you, date. Exactly. Are you yeah. free Saturday night? Yeah. It was it, nothing. Nothing else. But today, uh, I, uh, I would say almost exclusively interact, and almost all interaction is text. Yeah, nice. I avoid. I avoid. Right. I avoid phoning. So he's very modern. modern. Wait, he it. might be. A, this might be interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, dating apps or setups, Lily? Oh, I uh, n- neither, neither. I, I I have an enormous. I, I, my problem is having too many. Right. As Lily would know, I I my, I'm triple booked every night of the week virtually, <laughs> and not dated, not not triple booked. This I, is, this I is have so, so sad. Much, oh, I know. Why can't but, I get a date? But. but <laughs> One of our arguments is, what are you doing tonight? Just sitting at home, having a quiet night. Why aren't you going out? I'm going out. No, right. l- let me let me let me elucidate on that. One of the things that disappointed me for a, quite a while, and I think maybe I've told you this, Lily, is I, uh, I I'm being very honest with you now, since this is a sincere conversation. I've been disappointed that my family, sons and grandchildren, don't call me and say at Christmas or at Thanksgiving or whatever, uh, grandpa, what do you, what have you got uh, for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, are they never, never. In fact, not this year, but last year, I'm sorry, let, Lily, let me finish. I, Lily, like half an Lily, hour Lily about can I finish? Times. Lily, I, I want to finish my, okay. Lily, <laughs> let me finish my conversation. Uh, the, not this year, but last year, I accepted a Thanksgiving lunch invitation from a friend because i said no one in my family has called lily please has called to ask me what am i doing for thanksgiving and uh i I, and it really in the beginning used to bother me and then what i've come to realize over the years is the truth of the fact is i am so busy i am doing so much that they all assume they all assume uh, not one of my children, for example, at Christmas said, you want to come along with us for Christmas? Not one, including your parents and your two uncles. They, they didn't, even, didn't even occur to them to say, Lily, can I please just finish? All right. They assume that I have plans and they know that I have a very active life. So it doesn't bother me anymore. But they get, they're getting away. They are, they're off the hook because I think it is very important that they do uh, uh, do that. In my case, I happen to have an unusual situation. Well, they better, you better keep asking I'll me. Answer the problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer the problem. But I will say, you make us sound, you, you, you had a routine every year where you'd go to, uh, to your other mother, your daughter-in-law's mother's house for Thanksgiving. And that was your routine. That's why you're always, I won't, we won't get into this. this so maybe the moral it. of the story is always ask. ask. Because that's right. That's it. Correct. Thank you. That's Kim. the moral that's exactly of the story. The Kim, Kim um, every holiday, call me up and say you, can, uh, you are invited you to our Thanksgiving, right? And if you can survive our family, you can survive anybody. This is true. I have met a lot of widows, and I feel very strongly. And I have advised every widow that I know, not that I'm dating, uh, particularly ones that I'm not dating, and say, do not be shy. And don't sit around and wait because your husband passed away or you just and wait a year or two of mourning. If you're an older person, there is a limit, even though I'm going to live to 114. Uh, uh, every moment is precious. You might not and want to be dancing not, then. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with going online. It's very, very effective. And I'm tired of hearing people saying there are terrible people online. I won't like uh, it, 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 it's the best way. I wish it never existed when I was 
in the dating world. And I, I'm fortunate that I don't have to do it now, but let me tell you, if I, if my life slowed down, I, I'd okay. go, I'd figure a way to go online too. But I, yeah. I have a particular problem that I, I just have too much public visibility. And, and, and I, I just, That's something I just. people waiting online that, for you. Yeah. Lily, you no, have to get no, him on no. Raya. You know, Mr. No, Raya, Raya is the one that. My, are you kidding? My brother-in-law lives on Raya. Oh, lives really? on Raya. And he he taunts me. When we go out for dinner, he likes to show me all the women he's going out on Raya. No, no Raya is not, is not for me. That's but not, fair. Okay. Would you move in together before getting engaged or wait until you're like married to live together? Lily first. Um, I would move in with someone before getting engaged. I think knowing whether, how compatible, I think that's an important thing to do to know whether you enjoy spending you're having your home be together yeah i agree with Billy. i mean whatever we're all happens, agreeing with this now whatever, whatever well, we've come a long way baby yeah when i got married, my first my first wife that was absolutely taboo not acceptable yeah. exactly correct okay last question is who should pay for the date should it be one person in a relationship or should you split the bill no i, I pay for everything uh although i i will tell you that I pay for everything, but sometimes, I mean, not intentionally, if I have a plan with someone and they happen to buy the movie tickets, right, uh, buy the, right. buy the, th I, I will insist on, and they, they won't accept it, but it's because it's not, it's because we've gone out enough times right. that they feel like, you know, I'm not trying to save money and it just, yeah. uh, uh, if we're really on a, some kind of, more than just first date or something. It's uh, it, it doesn't happen on a first date. I would say yeah. for sure. But you know, if it naturally fits, it's nothing terrible. I wrote this book, uh, and the title of No Red Lights was everything we've been talking about. I live a very a life with no red lights. I try. I like. I try everything, and I certainly the book is about that and telling people that they should try everything and it's it, it really is focused on two audiences that's why i accepted this podcast it's a bifurcated objective one is uh for young people of your age and, and lily's age to say uh taste life do things uh, that pass you by that pass in front of you and don't let them pass i i'm not making a big deal out of it but like the lvmh uh going to see it instead of saying i'll do it next week or next month because invari invariably most people don't end up following and doing those things so you know if you have curiosity and you hear about something you hear about a play or you hear about a lecture or you hear about an article you know seize the moment try everything and then so the book is all about the many things i've done in life uh earlier and today that make life interesting and make you a, a a bigger person uh in your life and the second audience is really for your grandmother and people my age she's not my age she's a lot younger but uh is saying at age 60 life is not over if mm -hmm. you'll buy my argument you're going to live to 114 uh at 60, you have, you're, you're just past the halfway mark. And what are you going to do with the rest of your life? So think about going back into the same business and doing it over again. You know much more than you did then. You have a bigger Rolodex. You have more experience. You, you have still lots of energy. So do that or try something. Become a poet or, or go back to law school or do something. But make the second half of your life more interesting so i really wrote for a bifurcated audience mm -hmm. and i i would you know i don't mean to uh promote myself but it, it has accomplished that that i get comments from people on both ends i got the best comment and i'll end with this the other day from a, a fellow who lives in my building married who's lived there as long as i have uh and he's on the new york stock exchange and i bumped into him in the lobby the other day and he said i loved your book alan I just sent it to 20 people. He said, the only thing I have to complain about is, and by the way, he's 80. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm sorry I didn't read it 20 years ago. Right. Uh, and I said, he got it. I mean, the fact yeah. is, what he's saying is, I've spent the last 20 years sitting and watching a, a ticker television. <laughs> yeah, instead of a television. That's right, not the ticker tape. And uh, there are so many interesting things that you have the opportunity. And not just some pass you by, but the others you have to go out and find. So 
that's that's very inspirational and i totally loved it like for both of us i loved the book i thought it was actually uh, all the things that i really always thought about a a successful person you wrote about in this book and it's success on many levels not just on a business level so it's just to make a person more interesting and more wonderful and a family person and we'll all your family's going to call you now for thanksgiving don't worry about (laughs) yeah gail Gail, uh, both you and kim i am I have not done any book tours, but I happen to be, this is not to promote it there, but just right. to tell the two of you, and Lily can take care of it. I am actually going to, on the 3rd of February and uh, I'm going to something called the Coudere Institute and I'm speaking uh, about the book uh, okay. on Friday the 3rd and then I'm going to uh, Del Rey on that Monday. And Mr. Patrickoff, just remind people where they can get the book. Amazon. Well, they got, I wish I would say go to your local bookstore, but yeah. unfortunately, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Walmart, they, they, it's, it's online. Amazing. But, Thank but, you and, both. And then, by the way, it's on Audible also. Oh, so, oh yeah. Uh, I heard about your experience from Lily doing the audio book. That sounds like yeah. really interesting as well. Yeah, I, re- I recorded it myself. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So you guys know how to follow us. Excuse my grandma on Instagram, TikTok. Rate us five stars wherever you're listening. See you next week. Okay, bye.